0: Morning everyone, Um, today's reading is taken from the book of Matthew starting uh, chapter 12, 1 to 14 James has just asked me to read the last three verses from chapter 11 uh, to remind us Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for all your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did? when he and his companions were hungry. He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shrivelled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. This is the word of Christ. We remember those
1: men who came... uh, ...and said we would see Jesus. And so, Father, we ask that you would show us Jesus this morning. That we would have a great vision of the Lord of the Sabbath. That we would know what it is to rest in him this day and all the days of our life. For Jesus' sake. Amen. A young woman is sitting on a bus and an older man asks her to give up her seat. She refuses and uh, the older man gets rather grumpy... Uh, The woman, in return, gets argumentative. Uh, Eventually, the woman is uh, arrested and thrown off the bus. As you hear that, you probably wonder, what on earth is that about? Seems a very strange reason uh, to get arrested, until you know something of the context. And if I tell you that that woman is black civil rights activist Rosa Parks, and that the reason she's refusing to give up her seat is because she's sitting in a section of a bus reserved for white people only. And she's refusing to give it up because she is protesting against that rule. And the man who's asking for a seat is equally adamant she must give it up because he's trying to maintain the white segregation. And behind that simple interplay are massive issues of power and authority. But it's not immediately obvious until you know the context. Well, in the same way, in the reading that uh, Logan just read to us, uh, it, it begins with something that seems so trivial. The disciples are snacking on some corn in a field. And it ends with the Pharisees going out and plotting to destroy Jesus. But the issue seems so trivial until we see the background And at the heart of this question is not just the law. It's certainly not just how you use a day. The heart of this question is, how do we enjoy God's rest? Because a Sabbath is not just about a day off. It's a picture of God's true blessing, of the truly blessed life. In Genesis 2, Uh, The climax of creation was the seventh day when God rested from all his work of creation. Now, God didn't stop working. He stopped working from creation. And that seventh day continues. It's the only day in the Genesis account that doesn't end with, and there was evening, and there was morning. The seventh day continues on. And the seventh day is a picture of the blessed life, Adam and Eve. On that day were to labor in the garden, enjoying all of God's blessing, seeing him, knowing him. Their, their labor in that garden was fruitful and enjoyable. But of course, it was all lost as they turned from God and sinned. But that promise of rest remains. There is a time when God will restore the world and he will pour out his blessing on people. We will know him and love him as we were designed to do. And in the Old Testament, Sabbath and rest were a picture of that ultimate rest. So as Israel went into the promised land, the promise was that God would give them rest from their enemies. And as they they took a Sabbath, both a Sabbath in the week and and Sabbaths for the land and and that kind of thing, it's more than just a a Saturday, uh, they were pictures of the ultimate rest and blessing of God. And it's something of a tragedy that we've reduced our idea of the Sabbath just to a day much, much more than that. Well, I think it's really helpful that Logan read uh, those few verses from chapter 11 because there's a great link, isn't there, to what Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In short, the way to God's blessing, the way to God's rest, the way to true Sabbath is Jesus. And that's what this passage is about. And that's why it's so explosive. Well, as the disciples go into the grain field, verse one, as they uh, are hungry and pick those heads of corn and begin to eat them. The issue is not the eating per se. It's not as if they've gone to a pick your own farm and under the sign that says do not eat before you pay, they're eating. No, That's not the issue. In fact, the law makes it clear you're allowed to walk through a field and, and pick pick some. The issue is it's the Sabbath. And the Pharisees go out of their way to point that out. Verse 2, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath. Now, we just need to be a little bit careful how we think of the Pharisees. I wonder if we sometimes have a kind of pantomime idea of uh, of the the Pharisees, the kind of men in in nasty black masks who uh, they'd come on the stage and we'd hiss at them. And and there's something, uh, there's a grain of truth in that. But actually... In in the context of the time, the Pharisees would have been very respectable people. We'd have been pleased to know them. They would have been the small business owners, the the kind of upright people in society. And uh, there wouldn't have been any of that sense in Jesus' day. And the reason they want to, uh, the reason they're very precious about the Sabbath is because they think keeping the law, keeping the Sabbath, is the way to God's blessing. And there's certainly a lot in the Old Testament about the reason that Israel lost God's blessing is because they didn't keep the Sabbath. Now, to ensure that Israel does keep, uh, d- does keep the Sabbath, they, they hedge in the law. They make a whole series of rules. And if you follow these rules, then you'll never be in danger of breaking the Sabbath. A number of us had the privilege of going to Jerusalem a few years ago. And the hotel we stayed in had a, a, a lift that changed the way it worked on, on, on the Sabbath. So um, normally you'd get in and press the button like any other lift. But on the Sabbath, the lift stopped at every floor. And we were staying on level 11. It was very annoying trying to get down to the lobby. But the reason for that was because some people might consider pushing the button work. And so to avoid anyone doing any work, we'll, we'll make it stop on every floor automatically. And that's the kind of thing they did. All these laws hedging in so that nobody accidentally broke or or, or defiled the Sabbath. They're not doing it to be legalistic per se, just, just for the sake of being legalistic. They want God's blessing. And frankly, it's not just the Pharisees, is it? All religion operates in this way. There's a series of rules. Do this. Strive after that, and you'll get God's blessing. Don't do that. Don't do this, and God will bless you. And frankly, it's exhausting. But it's not just formal religion, is it? There are a number of ways that our society, that that in many ways hates religion, is very religious. There are certain things we need to do to be accepted in society. Think of uh, those celebrities who will share certain things on social media to be seen so people will, will see that they're kind of part of the, the new kind of religious elite and observe the way when they accidentally share something that falls outside the right boundaries, how the wrath of society falls upon them. And we live in a society where people are very concerned, aren't they, for the way they present themselves themselves. They're not so much concerned for the way they are on the inside, but they're concerned for their outward appearance. And frankly, it's exhausting. And Jesus cuts across all of this and says, this is not the way to God's blessing. This is not the way to God's rest. And actually come to me and I will give you everything you seek for free. Well, Jesus piles up several examples to make the point that he can do this. First, he uses the example of King David. And he says the greater king is here, a king greater than the Sabbath. Look at verse 3. And he says to these Pharisees, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? And you can read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 21. And um, the point is not just that somebody else broke the law and so Jesus thinks he can break the law. No, this is David on the run from King Saul, and he doesn't have any food. And so he goes to the priest and he says, I am God's anointed king on a holy mission. And so the priest gives him something that's lawful only for the priest to eat. And the point I think is this, that bread, although it was normally for the priests, there were other things that came into play. And one of them was God's king on a holy mission. And in that context, that trumped, the rules about the bread and you see the point it's slightly implied rather than explicit but if the law flexes around david how much more so when god's true king comes on the holy mission that god has planned for all eternity god's king trumps the sabbath but then he points to the priests and jesus says think about the priests verse 5 they are working they desecrate the sabbath and yet they are innocent And when you think about it, they're not just allowed to work, but actually to bring God's blessing, they need to work. Because it's as they offer up the sacrifices in the temple that they ensure that God's presence can be with his people. And Jesus says, verse 6, I tell you, one greater than the temple is here. Now, again, it's easy for us to miss the significance of this. But the temple is everything. It's the symbol of God's presence. It's because of the temple that a a holy God can dwell with sinful people. It's only as the priests offer up those sacrifices and deal with God's wrath, God's anger at his people's sin, that God can dwell with them. And Jesus says something greater than the temple is here. And friends, we need to drink deep of this. God's presence is no longer located in a building. It's found in Jesus Christ. And through his his spirit, it's found where his people gather. The true method of knowing God is not through uh, this death of animals, but through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings us freely into God's presence. All of that to say is that God's rest, God's true blessing, comes not through the temple, but through Jesus. And then verse 7, Jesus quotes from the prophet Hosea. And he says, in effect, you've missed the heart of the Bible's teaching on Sabbath. Verse 7, if you'd known what these words meant, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned innocent men. And Jesus is saying this gets to the heart of the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath isn't about doing great sacrifices, doing showy, external things to, to show that you're in the right with God. It's about mercy. And mercy here, I think, is particularly a kindness that comes from the heart, a kindness that comes from knowing and loving God. And you see what Jesus is saying? When you think the Sabbath is just about stopping work, doing something external, you've missed the point. It's all about the heart. It's about remembering your identity as the people of God. And as you do that, as you love God, then naturally you'll do good works because that's what God's blessing is all about. God's people being blessed. It's life as it was designed to be. But I think this is so important for us because I think often we think those guys in in Jesus' time, they were really uh, legalistic. And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. The law, forget about that. That's something old-fashioned. But Jesus is really clear, isn't he? In uh, Matthew chapter 5, he says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets but to fulfill them. None of the law will be abolished, Jesus says. And it's not that these Pharisees are legalistic and Jesus says, don't worry about the law. It's that they're not bothered about the law enough. They've missed the point about the Sabbath because they don't take the law seriously enough. They miss the heart of it. And Jesus says, if you'd seen what this law really means, you'd never have condemned my disciples because this law is meant to show you that I am the Lord of the Sabbath, verse 8. And again, it's a massive claim, isn't it? In the Old Testament, the Sabbath is called my Sabbath by the Lord God himself. And here Jesus says, it's my Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And you see the massive claim? Reminds us Jesus is not just a man, as we saw in, in the kid's spot. Who is this man? He's the very son of God. And because he's the Lord of the Sabbath, He is the one who can give true rest. All the blessings the Sabbath's pointed to, perfect fellowship with God, freedom to flourish as humans without being weighed down by sin, the ability to live without the shame and anxiety of comparing ourselves to others, all of that is found in me. And so Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest because I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And that rest begins now and is fulfilled as we enter into the new creation. But you see why that's explosive. If you're a Pharisee and you've built this great intricate system of rules, if your pedigree and your status depends on on having kept these rules and Jesus comes along and says, basically, all of that is junk, doesn't get you anything. Well, you feel very threatened, don't you? And Jesus says, it's all about me. Come to me and I'll give you everything you want for free. And actually, it speaks deeply into our society, doesn't it? Yesterday, I had the privilege of going out to the Young Adults Weekend. And um, thanks, by the way, for those who are praying for that. Do, um, As those young adults come back, do ask them, what they've learned, they'll be really encouraged to know that you've been interested, and I think you'll get a great blessing as they uh, tell you what they've been learning. But yesterday morning, Jay spoke on contentment, and he reminded us one of the things that modern Western society does is it, it, it um, sells us things, doesn't it? Capitalism sells us things in part by sowing discontent and I meant to bring my newspaper from, from yesterday, but you open up the newspaper and you see that advert for the holiday and you think, when I finally explore that hidden part of New Zealand, then I'll be happy. Or you see that advert for the for the Kiwi saver and you think, when I finally get a certain amount of money in my Kiwi saver, then I'll be able to rest. Or you see that advert for that restaurant and you think, when I've been there, then I'll have arrived. And Jesus says, no, you won't all of the things that you long for ultimately are found in me and actually that's explosive because if all of us if imagine if all the people in the west listened to Jesus and found our rest not in our things but in him well what would it do to the S&P 500 would be a shock worse than coronavirus it's explosive And all of the religion, all of the law, all of the seeking the good life outside of Jesus, Jesus says it's bunk. It's found in me because I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And the question this leaves us with is, where are you finding your rest? What are you living for? Are you living for Jesus? Or are you seeking these blessings somewhere else? And if you seek them elsewhere, ultimately they will disappoint you. And so Jesus invites us again, come to me, take up your, my yoke and find rest in me. Obey me, I am the Lord of the Sabbath and I will give you true rest. Well, from verse 9, we've got another incident and really it underlines what Jesus has been saying. This time, the, uh, there's no messing about it, is it? The Pharisees are out to catch Jesus. And there's this poor man there with a withered hand. We don't know what's happened to him. Maybe he's had a, had a stroke or something, and his hand is withered up. And they use him as a pawn in their game. Verse 10, they, they say to Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because in their framework, helping someone, giving medical assistance is, is work, And so, although in an emergency you could save somebody's life on the Sabbath, if it's something like a a withered hand, it's not life-threatening, well, then wait till the next day. Don't spoil the Sabbath. And Jesus says to them, verse 11, hang on a minute. If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take it out? And the point is, yeah, of course you will. Why will you do that? Because it's valuable to you. You'll break your rules for something that's valuable to you. And yet how much more valuable is this poor man with a withered hand that stops him working and providing for his family? And Jesus shows the true meaning of the Sabbath. Not about rules, but about God's blessing. He says to the man, stretch out your hand, and he heals him. And that man in his body uh, tastes God's rest, God's Sabbath, as he experiences the creation as it's designed to be. But doesn't that just also show us where these two different ideas get us? Religion, with its nastiness, with it ending in, in going out and plotting to kill Jesus. And the true meaning of rest. This poor man healed. God's blessing. Shown as God's rest breaks in, as God's king has arrived. Well, of course, like so many ideologies, so many religions, when they're backed into the corner, when their hypocrisy is exposed, they lash out. And friends, don't we see that all around us as uh, religious uh, claims are exposed today, as philosophies are shown not actually to provide what they offer? They lash out and they turn nasty. And what a contrast we have with Jesus. Well, friends, as we draw to a close, what does this mean for us? First of all, it means, are you finding your blessing in Jesus? The way to keep the Sabbath, sometimes people worry, am I keeping the Sabbath? The way to keep the Sabbath is to come to Jesus, to rest in him, to take his yoke upon you and learn from him. And as you do that, you'll find fellowship with God. It's a wonderful thing. It's not just something for one day of the week, it's for every day until we enter into the eternal Sabbath That is heaven. But somebody might say, well, what does this mean for Sunday? Does this have anything to do with Sunday? I just want to spend a couple of minutes on that before we finish. As I said, Sabbath is more than just a day. Uh, But some people will say, well, hang on, doesn't this stuff about the Sabbath become what we should do on a Sunday? And I think it's interesting that in the New Testament, the, the, the Sunday is never called the Sabbath. Sometimes it's called the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week on which Jesus rose from the grave, but it's never called the Sabbath. But I do think the fact that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath has implications for our rest. And the Pharisees missed the point because they legalized the Sabbath. I think we miss the point about rest when we secularize it. They legalize it. We secularize it. But if we're not careful, we both miss the heart of it. And although the Sabbath doesn't map neatly onto Sunday, there is a sense that there are things here we can learn. The pattern of um, resting one day in seven is not just a kind of man-made convention. It's not um, something that trade unionists came up with. It's built into the very way the creation is. I think it was in the French Revolution when uh, some clever clogs decided that seven days Seven wasn't a very rational number. And so a 10-day week would be more kind of scientific and rational. Well, it didn't work. Because built into the groove and the warp and the woof of life is this rhythm of seven. And the Russians tried to do the same thing. It didn't work. We mustn't secularize rest. Rest is more than just physical rest. I wonder if there are ways we bought into the idea that rest is purely physical, I feel tired and so I need to sleep more. Or I I, I need some rest so I'll I'll do my hobby and I'll have great fun. And and there's something wonderful about that, isn't it? It's great to have a hobby. It's great to have free time and use it for fun. But if that's all we do with our rest, it's a kind of pseudo rest. And though we may physically, mentally be rested, actually at the end of it we can be spiritually tired. Somebody a while ago said to me, I feel worn out. So I think I'll have some time off church. And there's a great irony in that. True rest comes from Jesus as we take his yoke upon us. And of course, there may be times when we're sick and and physically we, we, we need to stay away from church, but with a sadness knowing that actually we miss fellowship with the Lord and his people that rests our souls. Well, of course, as I've said, the Sabbath is more than about ceasing work it's about remembering who we are as the people of god and i wonder if there are ways that we build that into our weeks as we rest that we remind ourselves consciously who we are as the people of god i wonder if our christian forebears have something to teach us there for many of people in christian history they have stopped work Uh, They've tried to avoid any kind of work on a Sunday so that they can devote themselves to worshiping God, to remembering who he is, to delighting in him, and using that day for doing good. Now, when that's done well, it's a joy. It's a blessing to the person who does it. It's a blessing to those around them. But unfortunately, our forebears, many of our forebears made it restrictive. I'm sure I've said this before, but when Charlie lived in Northern Ireland as a kid, uh, some person probably with uh, a a black mask and uh, a killjoy went around on a on a saturday night and locked up the swings and the point was on a sunday why would kids be out playing on the uh, the swings they might uh, desecrate the sabbath so lock them up chain them up so they can't get in there well what a funny picture that is of heaven as the sabbath points us to heaven that families won't have fun in heaven that kids won't be able to play silly But let's not spoil, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater just because people have abused it. Positively, how do we use our rest to remember who we are in Jesus, to delight in him, to anticipate the rest of heaven, to spread the blessing of God's creation? This is a silly example probably, uh, but um, our, our kids are not allowed to eat. Well, not, not, not allowed. They just don't eat chocolate spread. But on Sunday mornings, uh, they're allowed a big dollop of chocolate spread in their porridge. And they're allowed it because it's Sunday morning. It's a day to remember God's blessings. Not a day to be sad and, and somber. It's a day to remember God's blessing. And I wonder if we need to plan our weeks so that we enjoy this. It may be that Sunday's a good day to say, I'm not going to open my work laptop. Not because it's wrong, not because the law says we can't, but because we want to use that day to see our neighbors, to spend time with our friends and our family. Maybe it's a day to open a particularly nice bottle of wine and remember the joy of heaven. Maybe it's a day to set aside time to go and help a neighbor to cut their grass. It's a day to carve out time to be in God's word, to to bring ourselves consciously under Jesus' yoke and, and free ourselves as we remember the true rest that is in him. Not because that one day is special. This is, in a sense, for every day. But that as we do that and do that intentionally on one day, it helps us to remember who we are, that we're Jesus's, that we delight in him every day. And friends, again, not because it's law, not because we earn this rest, but because Jesus has given it to us freely. And we're so quick to fall back into being a Pharisee. We're so quick to try and earn it. And we need to stop and remember God has given us everything freely. And what a joy. Well, friends, may God bless us and help us to enjoy this Sabbath rest today, tomorrow, every day, until he invites us into the eternal rest when we will live for all eternity, knowing God, seeing him face to face and enjoying his blessing. And that is possible because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and he is the one who gives us God's rest. May he give that to each one of us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, forgive us for having small ideas about the Sabbath and for tying ourselves up and thinking it's about keeping small and funny rules. Forgive us for the ways that we so often try and strive to earn your blessing. We try and strive to find rest in all kinds of things that prove themselves to be broken systems. And we're so quick to come to you, the Lord of the Sabbath. And find rest for our souls. Father we thank you for the way Jesus points us so clearly. That he is that Lord of the Sabbath. That he is the one who gives your true rest. Thank you that that's what you made us for. To enjoy it. To delight in it. To fellowship with you. And so Father we pray today. And all our days we would rejoice in this. That we would marvel. and, uh, And anticipate the joy that one day we'll have in heaven. That we have a foretaste of now. Help us to be people who do good to others as we enjoy that blessing and forgive us for the times we are like these Pharisees and quibble about rules and miss the bigger picture. In Jesus' name, amen.